Hi, John. Hello, Merlin. Hi, John. How are you doing? Good. Happy spring. Uh, hmm? Is it really? I guess, I guess it's been spring for a while, actually. Oh, geez. I haven't sent out my cards. Happy spring to you, too. Are you, uh, is it busting out all over? Yeah, well, there's so much pollen in the air up here that it's like, um, it looks like it's snowing. Mm. Snowing yellow, crusty pollen. So my, <laughs> I'm, I'm super messed crusty up. Crusty yellow colored pollen. <laughs> it's, it's really lovely. Oh. And then I had a chocolate egg for breakfast. So, you know, that's what you get. That's what you, you get. You had a heck of a uh, dining day yesterday, I noticed. Oh, man. Did mm-hmm. I ever. Boy, <laughs> oh, boy. Woo. And that's the kind of diet that gets you an article in, like, uh, Lancet or something. Yeah, that's like right. A doc, like that's a doc- right. <laughs> you, you get a case uh, case study. <laughs> His skin turned gray. He could, <laughs> he could uh, interact with plants. Hey, inter- incidentally. Yes. Here, I'm going to give you four animals. Okay. Which one does not belong in the group? Okay. Lion. Uh-huh. T- tiger. Right. Horse. Okay. Monkey. Lion, tiger, horse, monkey. Um, I feel like this is not the right answer, but I'm going to say monkey because it's closer to bipedal. Right. That's, that's, pr- that's pretty. But I'm coming at it from the wrong angle, aren't I? Well, I don't know. It's pretty fringe. See, see, uh, uh, we were working on some school this morning. Okay. And there were a lot of, uh, there were these questions. Here's four things. Which one isn't, you know, it's like gold, oh, silver, geez. iron, It's plastic. a child question. They always it's ask trick questions. questions. And they, uh, all of them were, were pretty obvious. And then lion, tiger, horse, monkey. And so we sat around for a while. And every time you throw something out like that. I, I can like, make a oh, case for any of those. Mostly bipedal, it's like, sure, but the monkeys, most you know, they spend most of their time walking around on all fours. Horses sort of. are the closest uh, in terms of domestication. and uh, Sure, but you can domesticate a monkey. You can and domesticate a work. monkey. Michael Jackson did for a while. Elvis did well, you for remember, a while. I used to give my cars away to the monkey helpers, the helper you, monkeys. You used to give your cars away. Would they come and pick it up? Yeah, you remember there were, uh, so I had that, uh, I had that, that old Audi and my dad's. Oh no, it was the first one was my van when my when the when the transmission fell out of my van. I, I went, <laughs> Call the monkeys. One eight hundred monkey pickup. <laughs> yeah. The thing is the van the van was in great great shape. It had another hundred thousand miles on the motor. It was just that I had been I'd spent so much money on it. I didn't think it was worth that much money anymore. And there was this uh, there's this group that trains helper monkeys for people that that uh, that need a, a helper oh, monkey. Oh, like in that uh, horror movie, Monkey Shines. You, I you never get a, saw the Monkey Shines. Oh, well, th- no spoilers, but it doesn't go great with the monkey. But I, I see know. what you're saying. Okay, so you get, it's sort of yeah, like, the, uh, we did that with KQED. We donated our car to public radio. I don't know what they did with it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and in this case, they used the, they used the money to help, uh, uh, because the thing is, like, a monkey can put your food in the microwave, a monkey can, you know, make phone calls for you if you train it right. <laughs> I a like monkey, monkeys. Monkeys are just monkey funny can, to me. <laughs> they're wonderful, right? And yeah, just saying are. the word monkey. Monkey but feels especially good. If you imagine saying, instead of like, hey, Siri, can you order oh, uh, 50 rolls of toilet paper? From Amazon dot marketplace. Mm-hmm. If you could just say that to a monkey, hey yeah. monkey, order fifty rolls of toilet paper. 
It'd be uh, that'd be wonderful. That's how you hail so it. I, you say, "Hey, monkey." Hey, monkey. So I <laughs> got. So I gave them my. I gave them not. No, I would just name it monkey. Okay. Uh, I uh, I gave it. Uh, I gave them my van, and then when my dad's Audi sort of started to be a burden on me, I gave. The, I was like, "Hey, the monkey people." So I gave them the Audi, and then when my dad's Chrysler. Uh, no longer met our needs as a car. I gave them the Chrysler too, so wow. I've given three cars to the monkey people, and they're training monkeys right and left. I bet. I realize that with all of these sorts of things, um, it is uh, you're getting get, give it away. I guess maybe get a tax break or something. But the point is, they're going to sell whatever they've got. So you get rid of the car. You don't have to deal with it. You're not on Craigslist and stuff. And if you don't want to deal That's with it. that, and let's just say for the sake of argument, the transmission has fallen out. Yeah, sure. The classic example, I think the classic example of uh, sunk cost fallacy, I mean, aside from Iraq, am I right, is automobiles, mm-hmm. where you say oh. like, oh, I just did this to the car. I just spent over $1,000 in the last four months, and you think, oh, I got to keep spending money on this. But if you break yeah. out of that cycle, right, you've been through this, and you say, yeah. I'm throwing good money, as they say, good money after bad, I'm going to call the monkey people. They're going to come get the car. So then they sell that car. I realize I'm being very simple here, but the, so they sell that car and then the, the, the proceeds from that go to various kinds of monkey training. They don't retrofit the cars for monkeys to drive, as far as you know. As far as I know, they... Because that would I, be pretty great. You know, there are so many people in the world whose whole livelihood is um, they go to auctions and they buy things and then they, they put their special skills to work. Your lady friend taking, with the jeans. Similar kind of idea, right? The lady friend with the jeans, exactly. Except the jeans are a thing that, whew, I mean, I don't even know what the market for those is anymore. But, like, everybody needs cars, everybody needs real estate, everybody needs tractors and stuff. So Sometimes I would go on the City of Seattle auction sites, because mm-hmm. the City of Seattle is getting rid of stuff all the time, like, oh, this... You know, this truck with a cherry picker and flashing lights is, you know, surplus now or all these cop cars. You know, the cops can only drive their cars for a little while. You see that sometimes where you see a van that is obviously used to be a U-Haul that somebody has repainted. You see those automobiles that were obviously, like you say, you get like a Blues Brothers car, cop shocks, cop brakes, and then they paint over. a cigarette lighter. Yeah, that's right. And we're wearing sunglasses. Uh (laughs) (laughs) This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by ExpressVPN. You can learn more about ExpressVPN right now by visiting expressvpn.com slash supertrain. Now, look, everybody knows that a VPN protects your privacy and security online, right? You know that. But you may not know that it can also take your TV watching game to the next level because you can use a VPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. If you're doing the right thing right now, you're stuck at home. You're locked down, and you've probably watched everything on Netflix. I know I have. I've seen it all. I've seen it all. But, you know, uh, a lot of folks are learning you can use ExpressVPN to binge stuff from other countries. Maybe you want to watch Doctor Who on UK Netflix. It's so simple to do. You just fire up the ExpressVPN app. You change your location to the UK. And mm, Geronimo, <laughs> you refresh your Netflix, and that's it. You're watching The Doctor. His name's not Doctor Who. That's the name of the show. His name is The Doctor. Anyway, uh, ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from 
almost 100 different countries. So just think about all the Netflix libraries you can go through. Maybe you like anime, like John Syracuse. You can use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix and be spirited away. I see what you did there. It's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there. The reason a lot of folks love ExpressVPN to watch shows is it's ridiculously fast. No buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD no problem. ExpressVPN is also compatible with uh, all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, you name it. So you can watch what you want on the go or on the big screen wherever you are. And right now, if you visit the very special link at expressvpn.com slash supertrain, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support our show, watch what you want, and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash supertrain. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, trade it for a microphone. Uh-huh. <laughs> Carrie Fisher tries to blow you up, as, as you do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, well, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm mom... on the Helping Hands Monkey Helpers page, and they have profiles yeah. of the monkeys. You can meet Aren't the monkeys. They nice? Yeah, oh Jimmy and, and uh, there's Hellion, and August, there's Sophie, Stuart, Minnie, Granddad, uh, Grand... <laughs> Mr. Peepers. <laughs> <laughs> My mom has always sworn by, she's done this three times, she's bought cars from rental car agencies. Oh, man. Like a, a year and a half later. And I, I, I say, oh, man, exactly the same way, because I say, like, what about if you get one of those cars that some, that some teenagers just did terrible things in? You see, we know what you she, say. You say it was, it was uh, road hard and hung up wet. Those rental cars, right. they get a beaten and people are smoking cigarettes in them. Well, so what, so what it turns out, as you can imagine, turns out. 97% of all car rentals are just somebody picks it up at the airport, they drive to the hotel, they put their clip-on tile, and they go into the, they go into a meeting where somebody reads them a PowerPoint demonstration, and they get in the car, and they drive back to the airport. Like, yeah. most people don't take their car out and rally it. And frankly, of all, and I'm like the exact person, that's why they don't rent cars to people that are under 30 or whatever. <laughs> And I'm, exa I'm exactly the type of person that would take his rental car out and brody it around some parking lot. But e even I have never, I've rented 400 cars in my life. I've never, I've never like rode one hard and put it away wet. Yeah. But in your mom's head, okay, luck with that. She's done it more than once. Well, so, so she buys these cars. They're like, they're one year old. Mm -hmm. They have 30,000 miles on them. And... They're, and they've been meticulously maintained. It's the same with buying cop cars. You know, those guys do wreck, you know, really ride their cars hard. Yes. But they also are super duper maintained. They mm -hmm. come in and get, anyway, so she's had really good luck with it and swears by it. And I'm always like, ah, I don't know. I don't, it's 40,000 miles of people farting in the seat, but that's true of any used car you buy. Yeah. Anyway, I said, I said, okay, uh, tiger, lion, tiger, horse, monkey. Lion, tiger, horse, monkey. I said, look, we're, this isn't this isn't one that's this isn't made for grade schoolers. This is some kind of like this is messing with us. This, uh, John, I studied the liberal arts, and and that made yeah. me an overthinker. I, yeah. I, I can I can make a case. I can make two cases probably off the dome for each one of Let's those. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay, which I what should I start with? Well, do you just you just start at the top? What what? How does the lion not? How's the lion excluded? Lion, uh, the males are the laziest of all those breeds, uh, and mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's not a tiger. 
Uh, okay. Okay. All right. No, but no uh-huh. lion. It could be continental. You're going to get a lion in Africa. I believe well, so I, you can get a tiger in India. Yeah. I said, I said that, I said that the only animal, as we went through this, I said the only animal that is exclusive to Africa is the lion. Okay. Am I right? I think There's no so. Asian lion, is there? I don't know. That sounds like something that like a, a warlord would demand to be called. An Asian lion. Well, wait, there is an Asiatic, it's called the Asiatic lion. I think it's pronounced Aslan. Aslan, is that his name? No, there is an Asiatic lion. So, okay. no, that's, right. that's, that's, that's straight out. Boy, that Asiatic lion is pretty mangy looking. Okay. But it's a lion. No I mean, the horse, the horse is majestic and of it course. is domesticated. Right, um, so you can domesticate a monkey, as we've you talked about. Deme- yeah, I know. I, yeah, but I mean, in terms of like, okay, see, now, yeah, you're you right. You can name it Granddad, and it makes it makes your microwaves. Okay. And and the, and so, it was ti- Tiger was one of them? Lion, tiger, tiger horse, monkey. Horse, monkey. Is this, do you have an answer for this? Because this is going to so, really weigh on me. Did you, did you call in on a Zoom and find out the answer? So what, what, so what we came up with was Lion was the outlier. Okay. And uh, and I said to her, we need to come up with our own sl- our own scale because there isn't one in nature. I don't think mm-hmm. she's like they're all mammals. I'm like, yeah, they're all you know. And we did the we did the bipedal one and we rejected it. She's, she's said, aged so, aged nine, correct? She just turned nine. Yeah, she just turned nine. So I mean, the overthinking that somebody who studied the liberal arts would bring to this is not what you're supposed. You're not supposed to think this is a trick. Right. That's right. Okay. And so I said, what's our scale? We're going to come up with a sliding scale or no, not a sliding scale. We're going to come up with our own measurement. And she said, only one of these uh, does not appear in the movie Aladdin. Only one of these. I'm pretty sure there's a monkey in Aladdin. There's a monkey in Aladdin. Okay. Oh, is there not a horse in Aladdin? No, there's a horse. Midnight. Jasmine rides midnight to Jasmine. Oh, Jasmine rides midnight. Okay. Um, boy, see, I, I don't, I don't know the answer to this. There's also a tiger in, in Aladdin, but no lion. Oh, okay. So now you're, if I could say, it seems to me now yeah. you're playing the odds. You're going to find the one where there's the most cases to be made. Maybe you get an extra sheet of eight and a half by 11 college ruled paper to write all this down in, in a sort of exegesis, if you like, of the, mm-hmm. the outlier animals. I, my feeling about it, and this may be, I may be setting her up for for a lifetime of uh, of conflict. Mm-hmm. But my feeling is, if there's not a scale, make a scale. If and, there's not a scale, make a scale. And then argue your scale, right? If there's not a scale, make a scale and then argue. I see. It could be, uh, I feel like a rubric or a codex of John's design. Mm. If if you come into class mm-hmm. and the teacher says. Oh no, it's this, and it's something that you had considered but had rejected. Make your case. Make your make, case. Make your case for your own scale. Of course, you're going to lose ninety five percent of those. But yeah, but this could be a real Cyrano de Bergerac moment that people remember for years, well past. Uh, what is she in fourth grade? Third, third grade. She just third turned grade. nine. Just turned nine a couple of weeks ago. That she and she would okay. be. Happy to tell you all about how her birthday party was canceled. Oh, no. Happy to tell you. She so she's really kind of a redshirt fourth grader in some ways. Um, well, yeah, they're not allowed to come back to school, so. No, they have to, you have to qualify and put them on what's called the DL. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I see. Okay, okay. If you can say, I, I, I'm, I'm not done with this. Can you yeah. give me a sense of any of the other 
uh, similar kinds of questions? Is it usually an array of four nouns, and you have to say one of these is not like the other? Are there or is, it, is it was there more than one of these? Yeah, there were there were there were a dozen of them, and they were all like house, church, uh, gas station, swimming pool. Okay, one of them has tax free status. <laughs> exactly. Okay. There's no reason not to. There's no reason not to just play. You know, try and beat them at their own game. Yeah. Except for that, they could give you a bad grade. But these days, I don't think that any teacher can get away with a bad grade for long. And this right? all I have to do no. is yeah. All I have to do <laughs> is write a strongly worded letter uh-huh. and go in and say uh, my tax dollars at work or something. I don't know. I'll I'm put, never put up a sign or something. I know how hard it is to be a teacher. I'm not going to. What I'm class not or concentration is this for? What is this in service of? Is this is this like a social science? A science science? Social social? What what is this for? Do you know? Well, so I so I I don't know how much we've talked about this, but you know we put her in a Montessori school this year because she was having a lot of trouble at the uh, public school getting bullied, hard bullied. Oh God! And I'm so sorry. we worked on it. We worked on it for a whole year. We worked on what to do when you're bullied. What do you do? Do you do you, do you tell them to go jump in a lake? Do you ignore them? Do you ignore them and tell them to go jump in a lake? You know what? How do you do? What do you do? I mean, I got all the way to like, well, I don't know. Are you are you gonna hit him? Like, if you're gonna hit right. him, like, like here's how you hit him. <laughs> her mm-hmm. Mom is like, don't teach her how to hit people. And I'm mm-hmm. well, I don't know. You know, I mean, it's not nice if you got you need to have that in your arsenal. You got to figure it out. Yes. And we got to the end and it just felt like the combination. Anyway, the, 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 the school just wasn't, the school gave all appearances of being responsive. Yeah. But in the end, nothing changed. You know, they, the school like had a meeting and, and talked to everybody. And yeah, everybody my, my experience with things like that, like that, not that precisely, but similar to that where you're like you, let's just say you raise a concern. Yeah. You raise a concern. I, I, my experience with most public schools, which I love, I love public schools, but you do, they're super busy. They're super constrained on budget and time. And you tend to get the equivalent of a, your call is important to us response. There was that, but there was also, I mean, there was a, they were socially, they were constrained and it wasn't that hmm. there, it wasn't that they didn't have the resources to deal with it. There was just a, uh, honestly, the 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 worst moment of it all was when a vice principal said to me, "Well, it's kind of a he said she said." And I was like, "Well, I don't think we are saying that anymore, are we?" He said, "She said." There's all kinds of problems with that. Anyway, well, just we just for the her, sake of the record, it was it yeah. a was it a male child that was giving her a hard time. Yes, it was. Well, okay, but well, that's had, a really shitty thing to say. That's a that's an extra had, super uh, shitty thing to say. He had, uh, in you know, gotten a whole group of people, a whole group of kids on his team, and and you know had had just had just tormented her. And I think it was ultimately, from from a 1970s standpoint, he had a crush on her, mm-hmm. but she's not, you know, she was not like she's just not in, in the mindset of being receptive. To, to crushes and he just he went dark on it so we put her in Montessori and Montessori is and it's you know in this Montessori that she's in is a small one mm-hmm. it's not like one that has 900 students or something I don't even know if there is one like that 
but it's a small one and it is one that has kind of struggled financially and identity wise. You know, they had, they had principal and then that principal left. And then one of the teachers got a job in San Francisco and then some other teacher got a job somewhere else. And, you know, there was just a lot of turnover. And every time there's a bunch of turnover like that, you know, a couple of parents pull out cause they're like, I don't know my child's education and so forth. So we, we got into the school and it's a, you know, it's a tight knit little community. We're entering Montessori halfway into the game. So a lot of the kids that started when they were three mm-hmm. already know how to do a Japanese tea service. <laughs> they already can ride a hoverboard. So she's, you know, she's the odd person out because that is a kind of intentional community, at least from the parents' POP, probably. Like, well, you, if you want to be there, you really want to be there, and you're paying money, and you're probably hyper-attenuated to, like, the customer service angles and stuff like that. But it's, it's an educational philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a play-based economy. Mm-hmm. And what it means is that they don't... What it means from my standpoint is I have no idea how they're educating these children. I, I look at the homework and I, I go in and sit in the class and I'm like, so third grade, right? You're like learning your times tables. And they're like, well, we don't learn times tables. What we do is we give them 11 5 oranges and they discover multiplication by, uh, by using an orange juicer and... Um, and these colorful blocks. And I'm like, they discover multiplication? And they're like, yeah, well, the thing is... <laughs> what you what know, are you, Leibniz? <laughs> <laughs> well, and so there's a lot of that where I'm like, so, uh-huh. they dis- so they discover it. And, you know, and so she would come home and she would say, you know, I did this really interesting experiment today. And I would say, tell me about it. Well, we put this, 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 and this in a jar. And we added salt and uh, nitroglycerin. And then we threw it off the roof and on the way down, and we tried to hit a seagull with it. And I'm like, wow, okay. And what did you learn? And she would look at me and go, I don't know, shrug, and then walk off. And I'm like, hmm. Hmm. So So I said to the teacher, I was like, so this jar with like seven oils, salt, nitroglycerin that you threw at a seagull, like, what is the, what is that? What's the point of that? Mm hmm. And, you know, and the answer is always something like, well, you know, the, it's, it's the magic of discovery. Hmm. So this horse. <laughs> is that really um, what they said? Or just, just stuff that it, what, what happens is I get. Well, I mean, was reassured. it like, was it good to come at, I'm sorry to interrupt. There's a come at you yeah. as a sort of now, now, like, oh, clearly you haven't read the book yet. You know, there's always, I, I, we've been in schools. We've been in a total of, I think four schools now. And a couple of them really involved actually, like they wanted you to read a book. Or like, you know what so, I mean? Where there's something, there's something, uh, there was one school we really wanted her to go to for preschool run by this very colorful woman. And, uh, there was, there, there was a, uh, not a rubric per se, but there was sort of a, like what we do here is based upon this philosophy and it would be very beneficial for you to, well, learn this philosophy, but as importantly to like really internalize it. Cause there's going to be a lot of stuff that might be a little confusing to, uh, the, an outlander like you. Uh, to come into this environment because we we hew very strongly to this philosophical approach. Ditto Waldorf, obviously. Ditto Montessori. There's there's various kinds of of these things, and I I you know what I'm saying. You go to a public school, and in the case of California, and I'm guessing elsewhere, there's Common Core. There's like everything is about teaching to the test. 
in so many ways. And it's extremely clear. Right. Well, well, you know why we're studying this? We're studying this because it's going to be on the test in three months. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, you're, you're absolutely right. There is, there are 15 books about Maria Montessori that I should have read and internalized. In general, philosophically, I do believe when somebody says to me, they're in third grade, they should really still just be experimenting with education and learning in the world in a, in a free space mm-hmm. without a ton of imposition of adult anxiety and rules and memorizing because all that stuff is going to – it's all going to come out at the end. <clears throat> and my mom always used to laugh because she read Dr. Spock in whenever – yeah, he was he was he was big when I was a kid. Um, that was and very do, much do, the prevailing. Like, don't touch, don't don't kiss your son, or you'll make him gay. Um, no, I mean, at least that was the sense I got from it. Was it was it was you know we've, we've talked about this before. You go kind of up and down through these different periods. You know, our kid uh, was conceived and born in a time where attachment parenting is a thing, and I'm glad we did that. It's very different to what what you're getting with, um, not Mr. Spock, Doctor Spock. Well, yeah, I mean, you and I. I'm I'm assuming this was true of you, but you know, mm-hmm. when, when I was born, they put me in a, they wrapped me in a blanket and put me in a nursery where my dad could look at me from behind a piece of plate glass. Just like on TV. And they would pick <laughs> you up and take you in and, you, you know, mom would hold you and feed you and then they would take you back and put you <laughs> put in. Put you in your Skinner and box. <laughs> and you'd sit there for a week, sit there for a week. And then, you know, a nurse with a mask would come in and hold right. you up for your dad and he would smoke a cigar. <laughs> And so, you know, my, my mom always my said, boy. "That's my boy." <laughs> you know, the the first time she ever uh-huh. held me, uh, the first time she ever held me when I wasn't nursing was when they wheeled her out of the hospital a week after I was born. Unbelievable! And she was like, "Oh, now I get to hold it." Yeah. Uh, but but now, what what Doctor Spock said? What my mom laughed about was Doctor Spock said, "You know, they're going to end up." Have you ever met an adult that didn't eat green beans? No, they all end up eating green beans. So don't force them to eat food. Don't, you know, if they're picky, just let them be picky. They'll figure it out. Okay. And uh, I ended up not eating green beans until I was like 27 or something. Hmm. And so my mom always laughed like, oh, no, sometimes you have to teach them to eat green beans. But in the, in the Montessori thing, what's crazy is that if you get into a conversation with any two parents, mm-hmm. it becomes a thing where you can hear them really excitedly talking one another into yeah. the philosophy. I know, I know exactly what you mean. And it becomes, it's sort of like the way <clears throat> some people, well, there's an extreme example where people like to tell their birth stories and freak other women out about all the things and how they can't pee anymore or how they have to pee all the time or whatever. They had to get a stent in their face or something, <laughs> all those horror stories to make <clears throat> women terrified. But then there's also that thing of like, we're doing this right, aren't we? Like, yeah, don't yeah. we don't you think there's a, especially when you're buying into something like that, you're like, this is a good idea, right? The blocks, the blocks are good. Yeah, students discover your blocks, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> there's, there's all that. And there's this, there's just this really strong feeling that because so I went to a parent teacher meeting and there were a lot of people in the meeting that even I a lot of parents in the meeting even I felt like saying did you not read the book Mm -hmm. because there were a couple of like what clearly like ambitious parents that that were saying well how are they going to compete with with high school at high school level 
and all the other parents are like, hush, 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 hush. It's, yeah. you know, at high school, you know, 98% of Montessori kids, by the time they're in high school, are already in NASA. They already, <laughs> you know, they've already built their own, you know, a nuclear-powered submarine. Like, don't worry. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you look at, if you, since Montessori was developed, if you looked at the heads of state of, uh, of all 198 countries in the world, like 95% of them went to Montessori. So don't worry. Hmm. Don't worry. And the, the agro parents who clearly have tech jobs and are like 49 are like, well, I don't know about that. It's like, you're sending your kid to Montessori. What did you think this was? Mm-hmm. Even I, even I know that like you joined a cult. So just be in it. Like, shush, sit down. <laughs> you, you got in, you got into Sea Org. Do not, yeah. do not complain yeah. about having to swab the deck. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's just like, just, yeah. just hush, let them talk. Let's figure out what they're really talking about. Anyway, so since the, since the quarantine, I've been doing this work with her and, uh, and I've just been Gen X modifying it at a certain point, you know, oh, a week or two you're, ago, you're, I was you're like, a school hacker. A little bit. I'm like, okay, we can do this lion, tiger, monkey, ba- uh, bear thing all day. Mm. I'm happy to do that, and and I'm happy to whatever we're going to learn from it. We can put nitroglycerin in a jar of oil and throw it at a seagull. That's like mm. right out of my playbook. Sure. Um, but after we do, let's sit and talk about what we learned, if anything. And then about about a week or ten days ago, I was like. We also, we're going to memorize the times tables. I don't care if they say that you don't need to. There's no reason not to. <laughs> I, I, have, I have an anecdote about that. That's a real thing. That's, that's straight up your alley, which was that, yeah, third grade. So when I was in third grade, uh, back in, I guess it was about, it was during Reconstruction. So I want to say in like probably 1870. Um, that's what you did. Math, the math unit when I was in third grade was this, you get a, usually a green sheet of paper with 100 multiplication problems on, and you keep doing it until you get a hundred percent. That's third grade math. Now I, I'm not here to stand for that as a great paragon of learning, but I do know that I battled through my sevens and my eights, which I was terrible at 56 being sure. the most difficult for me, but I did get sure, through it. Very and, hard for one. And now I know those, I don't have to think about it. Um, and here's what happened is they said, okay, well, there were some very interesting things happening at my kid's elementary school, I think. One is that when she was in, I want to say third grade, by fiat, the entire third grade, the four third grade teachers all said, look, we're not going to do homework this year. And mm-hmm. go, go read the papers on this, you know, uh, homework for kids this age is, uh, it's so important that you not email me about this. But that basically mm-hmm. at that age, that um, all the homework stuff, it's... Th- third grade, third and fourth grade are such, to me, very important crossover years, because everything from preschool through, like, second grade is very much about socialization, standing in line, holding your urine, all the kinds of things that are important to become a citizen in, in a civic society. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. sometime around third or fourth grade, you're getting, now you're getting into fractions, and you're, I don't know if you're doing uh, number lines and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but the way they do math now, that becomes very important. But here's what happened. So, in this, in, in this experimental phase, they said, look, um, <clears throat> um, yeah, so this year, uh, we're not, you know we don't teach times tables anymore. We have a different mm-hmm. way we do that. 
And that was, and they, they sort of looked at, and imagine me making my eyes really big and like slowly mm. shaking my head a little bit from side to side. We're mm. not going to learn times tables this year. <laughs> but if you wanted to do that at home, it would really help. <laughs> true story. True. Really? Oh, absolutely true story, which is like, it's sort of like, it's like, uh, you know, when the old lady comes to see Bob Parr at the insurance agency. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not allowed to help you with this problem, but I know somebody who could, but I can't tell you who it is, but I'm going to tell you who it is. And and we really encouraged that. And she hated, she hated it because it was drudgery. And now guess what? Mixed message. Because at school, they're saying, bah, you don't have to learn this stuff. Bah. But like her teacher was like, it would actually super help a lot. And that is not unique. That stuff yeah. like that has happened so many different times where you're like, well, you know, on the one hand, when you're sitting in the sanctuary, you want to be a perfect Christian, but guess what? None of us are perfect Christians, and if we if we try to min-max this for people who are perfect Christians, this church is going to empty out real soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, But you're in Montessori. In my experience of dealing with adult people, I have, I feel a... a, a a practical difference between people my age. Well, the thing is, everybody my age memorized their times tables. It was just a thing that if you were in, if you're like old generation X or whatever the hell we're called now. Yes. They just hit you with the hickory switch mm-hmm. and dipped your pigtails in the inkwell until you learned your times tables. They bring, right? in, a, they bring in an ad hoc uh, nun. To come in and just beat the shit out of you with a ruler, even in public dominant. school, even in a public school, especially in a public school, yeah. So no, I mean, at, I think I think all. a case could be made that a lot of parents would be squealing like a stuck pig if their kid did not learn the times tables when they were your daughter's age. Uh, in our house, when we when my mom first divorced my dad, she had she bought a bunch of furniture, and I and this has got to be like proto 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 IKEA furniture. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've told you about this, but it was made out of cardboard tubes. It was, <clears throat> you know, like a map tube, like hard, thick cardboard tube. Uh-huh. And then the end pieces were little three-way, um, uh, the, you know, the little plastic end piece would slide into a tube. And then at at uh, at right angles, you could put two more tubes onto it, and it would be a little corner. And okay. with those little pieces, you would build coffee tables. It's not PVC, and, and it's cardboard. Tables. Cardboard. Huh, okay. So I'm, I'm thinking was, a little bit of like a lounge chair, like those lounge chairs that are made out of PVC tubes. Is it a similar concept where it's almost like the trap of a sink? You have a, a curve here, you can put that there, and you can like furniture hack? Well, except that they were just tubes, so there weren't any curves. It was okay. just, it huh. was what you could build. It was basically what you could build with um, Lincoln Logs or or Trex or whatever that okay. stuff was. Um, and so all of our all of our tables, and the tubes were red. They were like, uh, it was like, it was like the tubes you get when you when you get to the bottom of a, a roll of Christmas. I just wrapping. looked up red cardboard tube furniture, and I think I'm seeing it. They're mostly horizontal, uh, and, expressed and, horizontally or vertically, and you, you put these together, and it makes this very. Um, a lot of this is shown in sort of an outdoor context, but this is some weird ass furniture. So let me see if let me see if I can find it. And then um, on the top, there were um, the tabletops, red cardboard tube furniture. 
1970s, let's say. Um, nope, nope, not that stuff yet. There was nothing. There's surely this is. We weren't the only people in the country to have this. I have no idea where she found this. I'm, this, I'm really going to have to get to the. Was bottom it part of, this. of an omnibus effort to distance her environment from the 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 husband times? No, it was that she was desperately poor. Okay, and um, desperately poor and. Uh, of the of the the nature the mental nature of someone who was going to do this on her own and not take any help from anybody got it and so we had an we had an we rented a house and uh when she left Alaska when she left my dad she took nothing with her except what she could put into a bag it was you know she and the thing is it's not like she was abused or anything she left in the middle of the night right. because she just wanted to it was just like when millennium girlfriend left me the only thing she didn't do was take my dad's filson bag (coughs) this episode of roderick on the line is brought to you in part by keeps you can learn more about keeps right now by visiting keeps.com slash super train you used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription but now thanks to keeps you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home They make it easy, and they deliver your medication every three months, so you can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor visits. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. You may have tried them before, but probably never for this price. Now, prevention is key, and that means that Keeps treatments can take up to four to six months or more to see results, so it's important to act fast. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors, and nearly 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps' treatments start at just $10 per month, plus for a limited time, you can get your first month free. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to Keeps.com supertrain to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash supertrain. Our thanks to Keeps for supporting Roderick on the line and all the great shows. Mm, that she still stings, it. doesn't it? Still stings. She did it because, Ugh. you know, because she was dramatic, but also yeah. because it mattered to her that she, that now she was on her own and she was going to do we it. We went through own. the exact same thing, John, and it was so important. We got into a two-bedroom house that smelled like cat pee. It was $250 a month. And the single most important thing for my mom, who was, it was pretty close to abuse, but like for her, it was like, I, I'm going to break from this life and this man, and I, I, want some, I want him to give me some money. And apart from that, I never want to even see him again. And my, my new life starts at the end of this sentence. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> this is not, this is not something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to debate about or like go to a whiteboard. Like this is, this is, in my head, this has been done longer than I realized. Nothing against your dad. But in my case, like my stepfather was, was the worst. And actually, you know, his son owned our house. And we came home one day. And uh, the tr- this is a true story. And, and uh, mom got home from work because he didn't work and she did. And he said, oh, there's something for you over there. And it's an envelope. And uh, it's from his son, who was an attorney in Virginia, saying that uh, as of immediately, uh, we were evicted from the house. They were married. They were married. And uh, it was the three of us in the house. And he's, yeah, so that's it. He's like, oh, sorry, Randy, Randy wants you to leave. And that, that's how that, and she's like, okay, that's it. She found two dudes to come, big burly guys. She said, put that in the truck, put that in the truck, put that in the truck. And 
we, it's one of the greatest triumphs of my mother's adult life. And I will always admire her for the way she fucking sliced that shit off clean. Like it was done. And like, and it really frustrated my, my stepfather because he thought this was going to be something where he get to, got to watch the woman ball or something. Sure. And she was going to grovel. Yeah, it was all gone. And he still would be real creepy and like park outside that our new house and stuff like that. But yeah, that's, I, I know that urgency to get away and the independent part of that is so critical. The like, you know, this is this is a totally clean break. It's done. It's it's not that we're gonna leave in, in our Conestoga wagon at two AM. It's that like we're done. Yeah, yeah. It's over. And and I don't know, you know, the difference I think between so did that happen in your life in seventy eight? Eighty two. Seven eighty two. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the difference between seventy two and eighty two I think is profound. Absolutely. There there, there because, was amongst my friends, uh, divorce was virtually unheard of in nineteen seventy two. And in nineteen eighty two it was way beyond fifty percent, at least in Florida. Yeah, and in, in, in eighty two it was happening, but in seventy two I think that mm-hmm. some of the challenges were that like a woman couldn't get a credit card. Yeah. Without her husband's cosign. Yeah, everything might, my, everything was probably in his name. He probably did all of the, like, she would might manage the checkbook, but the money was all basically his. Well, and the problem in my parents' marriage was she didn't, if she had managed the che- checkbook, they'd still be, they'd still be married. But, but <laughs> not happily, um, but <laughs> they'd, still, they'd still be married. He would be dead He'd for still 12 be alive. years and they'd still be married. <laughs> He'd still be alive is probably what would happen. Uh, and you'd be throwing pieces of lit paper off the back of a train. But she had, um, she had her own bank account because she had insisted on it because of something she came she gamed it five years before because she needed some she had some reason that she needed it because mm-hmm. my mom is just she's always apocalypse prepping but you know like a single woman renting her own house you know would have would have raised a bunch of eyebrows like it was hard for her but so she bought this furniture. I can't imagine. I can't find it. I'm looking here with under all the keywords I can think of, and there's no sign of it. Um, and this is something that will turn loose on the internet, and I'm sure somebody will have it to us by the end of the day. But it was, um, it was, it had on the tops of these cardboard tubes, there was kind of a thin plastic, white plastic top like to cap, all the tables. Like a cap. It was like <clears throat> the plastic was just thick enough that it could support its own weight and you could put a you could put a, a drink on it or whatever. I mean it was thick enough that it could be a tabletop. Mm-hmm. But it was all if you took it off, you could you know, I, I don't know, it was a piece of plastic that was an eighth of an inch thick, maybe a little thinner than that, a sixteenth of an inch thick. Yeah, you know, like you say, like White the kind plastic. of thing you'd get like a nice map delivered in. Well, that's the tubes, but mm-hmm. I'm talking about the flat plastic tops, okay, okay. which were, you know, which were tabletops, but they were made out of this white plastic, you know, it was kind of like floor linoleum, I guess. Okay. Um, and this was our furniture. <laughs> and the thing is, if you sat on it, if you sat on the table, it would, it would break, but it would, it would kind of come apart before it would break. But you, they worked. I mean, our coffee table was that. You could sit and put your feet up on it, mm-hmm. you know, made out of this plant. Anyway, by the time I was in third grade, we had this furniture for a long time. She was, she'd been working for a long time. We had, she was she could doing afford, her programming management stuff at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
she could afford furniture, but we still, because we're, you know, because we're a depression era family, because as older generation X, I grew up in the depression with my, with my mother, with depression, mom, <laughs> with depression, mom, like we still had this furniture. Mm-hmm. And one day she said, kind of like exactly like I'm doing. She said, I don't think the schools are, are, uh, are teaching your times tables in a way with much alacrity. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, we work on it and stuff. She was like, that's not the, that's not how you learn your times tables. You don't work on it and stuff. You memorize your times tables. And I was like, oh yeah, I know. But you know, like free to be you and me or whatever. I mean, you know, like no kid wants to learn their times tables. I was like, oh, but you know, Mel Brooks and Marla Thomas said that it's fine. Uh It's all about to cry. (laughs) And so she took, she went over to the uh, cardboard tube coffee table, which was pretty knackered by this point. And she took the tabletop off and she put it against the wall. She took a ruler and a, and a a permanent marker. She made a grid and she made a grid on the underside of this coffee tabletop. This was, oh, this has got to be featured in your biopic. This this is such a good moment type of thing that she would do like because now well i guess our coffee table is gone but i and i'm watching her like with a lot of attention because i don't know what's happening it's a and little bit like, like richard Dreyfus and the mashed potatoes yes exactly when my mom would mom? do something like this you, you definitely like <clears throat> the order of the day was okay focus your attention on what mom's doing because it's clearly important <laughs> we've sacrificed our coffee table to this and she sat and just like um you know my mom can draw a grid pretty well and she did a times table on the underside of the coffee table and leaned it against the wall in the hall. And every time I walked anywhere near it, anytime I walked out of the door of my bedroom, you know, she would say seven times eight. And <laughs> I sat fifty-six. And I sat and looked. You know, I still can see this times table. Absolutely. And, That's your, this is your father now. The grid is your father now. (laughs) But it wasn't, you know, it didn't feel punitive. It Mm -hmm. very quickly started to feel like something she and I were working on together. This was a major project that we needed to do together. And I was on her team. She was on my team, I guess is what it was. Hmm. And we got this times table into my head. And the sacrifice of the coffee table did not feel like a uh, a mountain of mashed potatoes on the living room table it felt like the coffee table also has given its life to this the times tables oh it's the giving table mm-hmm. it's the giving table it's exactly <laughs> it's where the coffee table ends <laughs> and so i uh-huh. learned it green, well, green eggs and coffee table <laughs> You cannot take the times table out of my head because I see this coffee table leaned up against the, if you ask me a times table question, you know, and I see the top, I see the coffee table, but young generation X people that were born in, let's say 75 or six or seven, those people that for a long time, I was like, they're not generation X. There's something else They're uh, I don't know what they are. Teenage mutant Ninja, Ninja turtle. Mm-hmm. Who are now like, we're old, 77, that's old Generation X. Those people, I feel like I meet them in the wild sometimes, and they never learned their times tables. And you say some, you say some basic thing like, oh, well, there's seven of us, and we need to get six uh, bagels each, so uh, we should. And, and, the, and they, they wave their hands like, <clears throat> ah, it doesn't matter. You know, like, we'll just get 
some amount. And I'm like, no, we should get the right amount. And they're like, nah, some general amount that's in the general area. Of, and I'm like, oh, wow, you don't know your times tables. Wow. How do you do it? How do you get around the world? There's a, there's, there would be a time in my life where I would look at that and think that that was almost as bad as being illiterate. <laughs> right. If you can't, if you can't instantly know that three times two is six or whatever, like that's, that to me would be a sign of an, at a certain point in my life, that would be a sign of a very undereducated person. How could you, right? How, how could, could you? you? That's like that third grade equals equals multiplication tables. Third grades equals multiplication, mm-hmm. right? So, so the other day I was like, I can't live like this. I cannot live in a Montessori world where, where we're throwing nitroglycerin at seagulls. But if I say, <laughs> if she says to me, you know, how many, how many of these should I get for the, you know, how many, how many beads is it going to take? And I'm like, well, what is, how many is this plus that times that? And she's just like, Durr. I can't do it. So I got a, I got a big piece of i didn't turn the coffee table upside down because that would have been weird but i got a big piece of board and i said let's make a grid oh my gosh okay let's make a 10 by 10 grid on this and she Mm -hmm. was like why and i said you'll find out Mm -hmm. and so we got a straight edge out and we made a grid and she had a lot of fun doing that because making a grid is fun a ben i was like big grid you know big big wall size thing Mm -hmm. and then i was like now let's put every number in across the top and down the side, one through ten and one through ten, all the way down. She was like, "This is fun." I was like, "Draw, as fill the whole square with the the number." You know, there's nothing else going to go in the in the square. She did it, and then I was like, "Okay, now you're hooked. Now here's what a times table looks like." And as we did it, I also had her write the odd numbers in a different color. And what? I, I was like. Every odd number, just write it in green. The rest are in red. And I don't know why I did that. No one ever did that. That's not part of the times table. But I was like, look, some of these numbers are odd, and it will be interesting to see them in a different color. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, when she, if she has this table burned into her head like I have into mine, why not also have additional information? That's the thing is you can't live inside those combinations, you know what I mean? You can't really live inside that and have that. It needs to be so automatic in the same way that, I don't know, a musician can sight read or the way that you can know that STOP on a red octagon means stop. You know what I mean? Right. It, like in my head, now I'm, I'm ready to be a little bit wrong about this, but like that should be something where like you know it so well that if you did put different uh, odd and even numbers, different colors, you might notice a pattern and understand why. Same way that when you multiply a negative number, you get this kind of result. You know what I mean? There's patterns to that that could be very illuminating, but you do need to first learn learn and memorize all of those. It was even interesting to me in that that grid how few odd numbers there are in Mm -hmm. the, you know, in the lower... it, within the multiplication, right? But because because her granddad was like, well, they're same, you know, e- same number of odds and evens, like equal numbers. And I was like, not in a multiplication table, because yes, there are like yeah. between one. The numbers and want to be even, mm-hmm. but they want to be even. That's mm-hmm. right. And then as so we're so we're working on it now. So so uh, today she's memorizing her eights. She's upstairs right now. Oh bless her! Memorizing heart. her eights. Oh my god! And w- and when I come up, she's going to show me. That she knows her eights. And um, it's very fun. But one of the things we've discovered is that a multiplication table is also a division table. Mm -hmm. It sure is. 
You just do, do, it, do it from a different direction. Yeah. You just do it in a different direction. And that did, did has she get been that? Really did she get that? Well, so this is a thing where we're like, okay. Because for me, I was also like, huh, it is a division table. Oh. What do you know about Jim Apples? <laughs> and so we've, uh, we've been like throwing, as we're learning multiplication, we're also reverse engineering division. They're the same thing. They're the same thing. They're the same thing. That's and the trick. Now, that's what that's what those Wall Street fat cats don't want you to know. They're the same that's thing. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Division they seems try to keep harder, but secret. it's not. It's just reverse multiplication. It's reverse multiplication. It's the minus of the plus. Uh, it's yep, the yep, 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 yep. Yep. Get it in your bones. Get it in your bones. Yep. Yep. So whether, whether this is Montessori or not, whether it's a lion, tiger, horse, or monkey, mm-hmm. Or whether whatever, I don't see how during a quarantine, if you learn your multiplication and division, that that's ever going to hurt you. I don't think it's going to get because the thing is we're having fun with it. It is not a bummer. Right. We're doing the same thing that my mom did, which is like, hey, we're working on a project together. Guess what it's called? It's called Impress Mama, who was born in 1977 and doesn't know her time table. Oh, she's one of those. Yeah, and she's like, I don't and she's she's su- she succeeded in life despite that. Yeah, she's like, I have a calculator right here. I'm mm-hmm. like, and I'm like, uh-huh, okay. Well, <laughs> You're not modeling very well right now, Mom. Yeah. yeah, let's see what happens after the EMP wipes out all the phones. Oh, what yeah, have fun with that. You can't even write boobs yep. on your calculator anymore. <laughs> how many how many uh, bagels are you going to get if there's seven people and everybody wants four bagels, huh? <laughs> you don't even know. You don't even know. So it's been, it's been super fun, and I think, you know, I think by the end of whatever, that that's the thing. At the end of this, all these questions of all these questions of like, how do we teach our kid? And there's no school anymore. And the question of how do we live? There's so much stuff where we're doing for the first time. And I'm just saying to my lady, like, again, it's so important that you not email me. But it's it's pretty wild how like there's this Johnson and Roosevelt level shit going on at a state level in these different places. And I I I said to her, I says, uh, you know, it's almost it's almost like keeping the nation. Healthy, employed, fed, sheltered, clothed, and having meaning ends up being kind of important in the polity. Oh. It's almost it's almost like that. Oh. Isn't that a isn't that a wild, wild thing? And so you're doing you're doing like postgraduate work here. You're doing not postgraduate. You're doing uh, what are you doing? It's like a residency, a residency in arithmetic. <laughs> well. Because what do you remember learning in third grade besides being able to hold your pee? Right. Like, you learned... tables and SRAs. I remember SRAs. Fourth grade was Ohio history. But it was a lot of worksheet kind of stuff. Yeah, right. You just multiple choice and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, if we learn fractions... Oh, this is the other Montessori thing that I just was... I was just... I actually, I actually called her teacher and asked about this because... <laughs> You know, we're downloading these packets to work. Oh, God. And so we're working on packets. <sighs> packets. And, oh, great. You're putting some stuff out from the internet. Thanks for school. That's fun. I'll have her spend an hour on this after, after, she's gone to, on, after she's gone to soccer practice or basketball practice and after she's practiced her ukulele. Then she can do something you fucking downloaded from the internet. Thanks for that. And, the, and downloading it is just, yeah, it just makes you feel like... After well, that year of no homework, going back to homework was such a grind. 
It was great. She had a great work ethic about it and all that stuff, and I was real proud of her for how she handled it. Ever since second grade, we've gotten out of the way. Her second grade teacher said to us, look, and we were like, you know, there's a lot of stress with this homework stuff, and she cries a lot. And they're like, well, why don't you make it her thing? And then you just don't bug her about it. And I was like, I guess that's an option. And it, it, for our kid, it turned out good. That's not going to turn oh, out good. good for everybody. But you know what I'm saying? Like, there's is she self motivated? She is like her parents both. Uh, one of the few things we all share, I think, is that we don't want to disappoint people, and we don't want to be humiliated because we did something stupid. And and so she does have a good work ethic, probably out of shame, as you do. She's, yeah. she's, she's got roots in, you know, colonial America and the Midwest. So she's got all that uh, stuff going on. But, um, but it, it does very left. But, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is like there, there definitely was one year after the year of no homework. There was this year of like, holy shit, this is such bullshit. I mean, I love you, teacher. You're she's such a great teacher. But, but like, it's so insane to just give this kid this monkey ass version of like stuff they did in school today. Oh, guess what? Now you do that for an hour tonight too. For what? You're not you're not really reinforcing this. You're mostly just creating something where they can disappoint you with how they didn't do it right. Yeah, I th- I don't know. That's my opinion. Well, you might feel differently, but that's that's how I feel. Oh, I mean, I <clears throat> you know I. Absolutely had I I loved school until I got to a point where homework um turned into uh doing worksheets and doing the same problem over and over and over twenty five times. Yeah. And at the point that that happened I bailed. I bailed out of school. Mm-hmm. I kept going to school all the way through high school. I kept enjoying the like social tuned, aspect like of it. Out. I just was like, I'm not, I can't, why would I do that? That was me in eighth grade. Do... In eighth grade, I had straight A's all the way through seventh grade. I had the best, uh, as we said, in military school, best deportment in my entire company of a couple hundred kids. I was the only kid who never got, I did not ever get a single demerit and I had straight A's for the whole year. And then I went to public school in Pasco County, Florida, and there was some mix em ups with where I got placed. And I got basically put in consumer math, like got put uh-huh. into the, like how to, how to write a check class. It was very remedial, and I was tuned way the fuck out. And I, I have no one to blame but myself. But when I should have been in pre-algebra or algebra, I was in consumer math. And that, and then that did lead to a series of events where, like, I had to take algebra twice because I did a really bad job with it. I didn't get the high enough grade. I had geometry when I was a senior. A senior. I was in a class Whoa. with, like, yeah, no, I was in a class with, like, ninth graders. It was really, it was really embarrassing. Um but I, there's also this other problem that I just did, just, just tossing this out a little bit from left field. I do feel like sometimes we struggle when we get into an institution like school, especially. We struggle with these two sort of warring impulses that without acknowledging, or at least two. There's, but there's these different things we're trying to accomplish here. And if we don't clarify what a desirable outcome of this is, there's going to be a lot of trouble. Because that's how life works. The way life works is that we do different things for different reasons. And if we think we're doing it for one reason, but don't really know why we're doing it, it gets stupid. And so the because I said so attitude of, uh, let's say a little bit in elementary school. Okay, so like you're, you're in preschool and it's mostly like you have juice and a nap and you wash your hands and you learn like basic social stuff and how to get along and not hit somebody with a truck or a shovel. Like you get that. You get into like second or third grade and there's a lot of because I said so kind of stuff. And I think 
I, I do think at a certain point you cross over from this is about purely about socialization and being able to be away from your mom and dad into something where like we are moving toward the sort of education that's going to be valuable to you in middle school and beyond. That's really important. And I, I mean, you tell me what you think, but I, I do feel like if you've got a, whether you've got a philosophy, everybody has a philosophy, whether they realize it or not. It's just that a lot of people's philosophy is I tell kids what to do and they do it or they get in trouble. And, you know, there, you're, there will be points hopefully in life where that's something they don't have to face but like if if john roderick is handed a worksheet that says you know that's been mimeographed so many times you can barely read we stole this from scholastic at the bottom and like so that's what you do now what you do now we're going to evaluate you based on how well you hewed to our uh our command that you go and do this and not complain about it and like that's a great way to take a pretty smart kid and turn him into a real asshole i it worked for me you know what I mean? Yeah, these, I, these, these warring sort of impulses and even in the most gracious sort of Waldorf or Montessori sort of environment, like you can still really screw things up. Some kids really need structure and, and maybe that's the wrong school for them bad on the parents. But I'm just saying like even the best intentioned people will tend to do the thing that covers up their own fears and amplifies the things that they don't hate doing. So if you're the kind of person who likes managing people, but you don't like people who are uppity, that's going to make you a certain kind of boss in life. <laughs> and uh, there's, a, there's a lot of teachers, and the teachers work pretty goddamn yeah. hard. A lot of them can't afford to live in San Francisco. They live in the East Bay. Our principal lives in the East Bay. Like, it's they're, they're working real hard to do this, but they're super constrained. And all it takes is a couple kids who are a little rowdy to, like, have the whole class go tits up. Nobody gets to hear, like, oh, good job. What you hear is, like, did you do the worksheet right? Because now you're, like, the bad kid if you didn't do that. I don't know. I hate it. The thing that no one ever did for me as a kid was explain ever, really, what all this was in service of. <laughs> uh -huh. Right? I mean, they would say, you're going to need this one day. It's just abstraction on abstraction over and over and over. Yeah, but it was, I was going to need it when what happened. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it's the, it, it wasn't just the argument of like, I'm, I, there are calculators, I'm not going to need my times tables. But in general, right? And I think what it... I think the problem was that the schools and the whatever, the institutions convert your parents into thinking that they, the parents are working on behalf of the schools and the oh, child God, yes. is the enemy, right? The child is the thing that the schools and the parents and the culture and the, and the city are allied uh, against. Yeah. Get, get on the team. Right. Let's get this kid in shape. And so my, let's get this kid in shape in this way. In this way. Yeah. And my attitude with my daughter has always been, you and I are on the same team. We're not against the school necessarily, but if the school puts us in a, in a posture where we need to be against them, we are against them together. Mm -hmm. We are, we are along with what they're doing together as long as it, as, as long as it makes sense. But every question that comes across our bow I try to explain to her what it's in service of. Like, here's, here's why they ask us to learn this. Because at some point, it's not just a question of when there are seven people and we need to get bagels. Sometimes it really... <laughs> the answer is 56. <laughs> the answer is always 56. <laughs> Sometimes it's in service of an abstraction. And some of those abstractions are, like, waiting your turn is an abstraction. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, like saying, ultimately trying to tell a five-year-old to respect other people's feelings 
it's useless. You're just saying words because a five year old doesn't doesn't know that other people have feelings, doesn't understand. So why would they? It's like getting mad at a baby over lack of object permanence. Right. Right. So with her, I'm always, and you know, and one of the things, and this is part of the Roderick credo, is like <laughs> one of the things that you learn in life is to suffer for a time <laughs> quietly. <laughs> if you can suffer quietly for a time, you can survive. You can survive anything. If you cannot suffer quietly, I'm not saying suffer quietly throughout your life. My God, we don't do that. But if you cannot suffer quietly for a time, then you're going to be in a, a load of shit with everybody all the time. So, and it's, it's really, it's your own kind of education or your own sort of philosophy is like, right. Is the right. like, well, here's, here's the constraints of how we're going to be dealing with this information. And like you, you get a, you get a period of time where we're going to just go, mm-hmm. Or we might not even <laughs> say, right. mm-hmm. we'll just keep showing up and doing your goddamn worksheets, but like, don't count on us doing this for six years and don't try to turn us against each other because we're not going to, it's not going to happen. Yeah. No, we're good. We're if a, if a worksheet, well, that's what happened today. It was like horse, monkey, tiger, lion. Hmm. Well, at a certain point, we're inventing our own game about this because what is the point of this? The point <laughs> is not to be right on this stupid question. Maybe it's a Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> oh shit, bit. dog. What right? if there's no correct answer? Right, there can't be. Right? They just want to see how you handle an unsolvable problem. That's right. It's You're like Kirsty Alley. Like, it's like a Google job interview. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How many? Yeah. Right. How many angels fit on the head of a pin? <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Well, so we so we downloaded some packet and and uh, and there was a long division problem. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Do you have you done the? Have you seen this little diagram, long division?" And she was like, "No." No. Nope. I said yeah. because they're because they're teaching you with beads and pieces of cake and half half of a seagull, right? <laughs> And she was like, she was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what this is. So I was like, all right, well, here's how you do long division. In so order we start, to show their work, they have to go to the kitchen <laughs> and do a Japanese tea service. <laughs> so I, so I was like, here's, here's long division. It's pretty simple. You just do this, and and then it's like this, and it's basically like a, mi- it's minus. You know, you're doing a minus problem, but it's just a minus problem that kind of recapitulates over itself three or four times. And she's like, uh huh, okay. But the, but the long division problem was long you know it was a two it was a two digit number uh, or it was a it was like a, a four digit number divided by a two digit number oh so man like, that's so way like, beyond her bailiwick that's crazy yeah, right as so i was but i but i'm like i don't know i mean so we start doing it we start working on it she's like yeah okay all right and we get down there and the <laughs> the answer is a repeating decimal what is happening and i'm like i don't so, you know, so I do the problem again in my head and I'm like, it's, it's a, it's a repeating decimal. This is insane. Did you even use your baby mama's calculator? And so, no, I just was like, I, 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 I know how to do long division. So I sat with her and I was like, this is a fraction. It's the same as fractions. It's just, we're also fractions can also be represented in decimals. And I, and I'd explained that to her before and I was trying to give her an example of what this was. But I was like, this is insane. This is not how you don't just put one of these on a packet and never have taught them. What do, what do, what? So I, so I called the teacher and I was like, what's the deal with that? And she said, oh, well, the Montessori philosophy is that we give all kids access to all material at all times. So, huh. if, you know, if she's in a class with a bunch of fourth and fifth graders, 
the material is there if she wants to explore it. If she wants to put half of a seagull and a piece of cake down and go teach herself. <laughs> move your, move your, move the other boy's coat to the next hook. Get your That's nitroglycerin. Right. <laughs> Who's been rubbing linseed oil into the school cormorant? <laughs> yeah. And learn algebra too. Oh, discover your algebra. And so I was God like, damn huh. it. I said, well, but that's kind of weird to put into a packet. It's not like it's in a magic drawer marked oh, fifth graders only. Oh, daddy's, that, daddy's forbidden closet of long division. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's on a packet that we're trying to fill. We're trying to do because it's homework. Uh-huh. So, and then the teacher said, and this was the crazy thing. I had completely forgotten this. She said, well, you know, if you get something like that, we would just do a remainder. Yeah. And I was like, remainder, remainder. <gasps> I hadn't thought about a remainder. Remember remainders? You did a little probably R, s- little lowercase probably, R, right? Yeah. Probably since fourth grade. Mm-hmm. I was like, Rema- remainder. I mean, as soon as you learn, a, as soon as you learn decimals, you never do a remainder again. But, and so I walked around the house in like a 10 minute long days, like, because all of the remainders came flooding back and like remainder. Oh, remainder. remainder. And it does make sense to a kid. You're like, and it has a remainder of two. It's almost like a little like, asterisk mm. of like, well, this is close enough. Like I, I got to yeah. the thing. I have this little bit here. You know, it's like when you put a, when you're putting your Ikea furniture together and you got like some improbable, <laughs> like three, not, not two, not four, but three bolts left over. And you're like, what did I do wrong? They're That's your remainder. Somewhere. You do an R and then you put the three bolts next to your seagull cake. It's like if you have 21... If you have 21, uh, 20, donuts, 21 pilots, you have and, 21, 21 donuts and you have four people. Okay. There's going to be a remainder, oh. right? There's going to be one. I think you should get those, John. You should get those donuts. That's the thing. Daddy always gets, daddy the, gets the remainder mm-hmm. and daddy gets the three bowl. 